0: As we open this annual meeting of the cathedral, let us pray. Ever-living God, source of all wisdom and understanding, be present with us who take counsel at all souls for the renewal and mission of your church. Teach us in all things to seek first your honor and glory. Guide us to perceive what is true, and grant us both the courage to pursue it through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. 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 I want to open first with a few thank yous, and then we will have our vote of vestry members. Um, Before we vote, there are some people who are rotating off um, of the vestry, and one of those is first Kathy Rauch, who has served faithfully and incredibly as your senior warden this past year. I say every year that the job of the two wardens, senior and junior, is to keep me sane just to let me say things and run them by them, and they can either go, that's brilliant, or that's really interesting. (laughs) I'm not gonna say what percentage is which. But truly, they serve you in so many ways, and I personally am incredibly grateful. So Kathy, and also Bill Bryant, who's not retiring, but is our junior warden, will both of you please stand and give them your thanks. Now there are some folks also who are rotating off with Kathy. I would like to ask Sydney and Julie and Monroe if you all would stand up please. These three folks have served you incredibly faithfully the last three years. We tell the vestry members when they are coming on that serving on the vestry is really grist for God getting them to know themselves and God more deeply that it really is about three years of their small spiritual group And they don't just deal with the business of this place, which they do incredibly faithfully, but they serve you in doing their own journeying and working together and listening to the Spirit. And these three with Kathy have been incredible in that, and we are going to deeply miss the gifts that they have brought to us these past three years. Would you also give them your appreciation? At this time, um, we will present the Vestry Slate for election. You, most of you should have seen, both through the epistle that came out and this sheet that's around, the four members who are being nominated by the Slate Committee, um, Sally Condor, Dennis Maxwell, Michael McLaughlin, and Tahani Stipwich. As well, our bylaws allow for people to be nominated from the floor, provided first and foremost they've agreed to be nominated. And second, that they have met the requirements for vestry service. So let me ask and open the floor if there's anyone who wishes to be nominated at this time. Hearing none, let me ask for a motion that the slate presented of these four members be approved to serve on the vestry of all souls. And a second, please. Let me ask these four if you would stand up, please. And as a way of giving your thanks to them, would you show your appreciation? When Bev Gaines served as our clerk for at least 49 years, it wasn't 49, but it felt like that for those of you that were around, she would always say to the new members, you know, it shouldn't be too crazy this year, because last year we really dealt with, and then she'd look at them and say, but you know what, every year something new comes up, so thank you all. (laughs) I would like um, the other members of the vestry who are not rotating off, if you all would stand up too, please. These are folks, I know you're here, please stand up. Give them your thanks, please. We did an exercise at our last meeting going through the three years that folks have been on, these folks, and then the two years, the other folks, and then one year, looking at the different work and things we've engaged. These folks give you a lot of heart and soul. It's huge work and significant work that they commit one to another. So, again, incredible thanks to them. As well, we have a couple other folks who have nothing better on their Monday nights to do and other times of the month. First of all, we have a treasurer named Jack Parsons, who you will hear from in a bit. Also, Carolyn Payton, who is our clerk. These two folks serve tirelessly, making sure we stay on track. Carolyn, I know you're here, and Jack, if you both would stand, and would you please show them your appreciation. And among working with vestries, sometimes you might hear clergy say, oh, vestry meetings. I love vestry meetings. They push me and I love these folks. And I also have the incredible fortune of working with some amazing staff members who in the same way push me, challenge me, get me to wonder about things, invite me to imagine things, at times tell me to breathe when I need to breathe. And these folks serve you administratively, they serve you pastorally, they serve you liturgically. I would ask the members of the staff if you would please stand and please show your appreciation for them. Don't be shy. Get up. And of course, Kyle walks in the door just when the plows is stopping. So, as we continue, um, we have about five reports, and I would ask Jack Parsons, our treasurer, to please come forward to begin the reports.
1: Good morning, all. Good morning. Good morning. 2018 was a pretty vibrant chapter in all of our ministries. We had some new beginnings, and new staffing, and an overall positive financial position uh, in this in this past year. We're really grateful for a parish family who makes that possible so you are really the story here there is good news in that our budget for 2018 was a balanced one we worked hard to keep expenses under control and to live within our means for the year ended We had budgeted pledges in the amount of $645,000 coming from 277 pledging units, families, and individuals. We've tentatively ended the year with a surplus because of the generosity of many of our members giving extra unrestricted gifts. And our plate offerings were up significantly, allowing us to have funds to carry forward into 2019. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. As we did last year, we will engage the audit firm of Corliss and Solomon to examine our financial records and conduct a review for the year. The news for 2019 is a little more mixed. We were able to finish our work on the budget and adopt it as of November 19. It includes ongoing funding for the programs of the cathedral, retains the same level of staffing with a 2% raise for those folks, supports the work of the diocese, and provides some jumpstart funding for our Koinonia initiative. In our Koinonia surveying of the parish last spring, you voiced as a top priority ongoing work, both personally and communally, with racial and economic equity in response to this call from the parish we have increased our budget to address this both in staffing and other resources the addition to the budget for 2019 for this work is nearly forty thousand dollars total expenses will be at nine hundred and fifty two thousand five hundred dollars in the approved budget we had hoped to cover this with increases in pledging, did not achieve this fully. We will need to carry forward funds mentioned uh, as our surplus from 2018 to be able to keep the budget on track. The vestry is now considering whether to use only some of that carryover for 2019 and perhaps putting some of it in reserve for 2020 and 2021. However, doing that means that collectively, we need to stretch a little further. Thus, if, you're, if you read this in the uh, annual report or if you're here in the pews, you still have another chance to participate. <laughs> Pledging may be a pretty old concept. Um, been around a long time it's sending in a pledge card for the year and it may or may not seem vital but I can tell you it helps the church significantly with making sound financial decisions because we know what we can expect it's a planning tool and it's a planning tool even if it has to be changed during the year did, did you know that you were free to actually change your pledge at any time due to a change in life circumstances. It could go down or it could go up. I I can just see all the heads nodding. Yes, that's that's the correct answer. We continue to have our accounting records organized in funds, uh, keeping our general operating account along with separate accounts for restricted gifts for Kairos West, for our capital needs, Faith for Justice, Cathedral Arts, and the Dean's discretionary fund, we have an endowment. It is with fidelity in investments and is watched over by Punch Investment Managers and an All Souls Endowment Committee, chaired this year by Bud Wiley. Bud, Bud was here earlier. I thought. There he is. Thanks, Bud. The value of the fund is down slightly, with recent fluctuations in the stock market. I think some of you might have noticed that. Um, But it is still currently at $2.005 million. It is designated in in nine different ways. So there's an approximate 4% annual distribution that supports capital needs, Kairos West, music, outreach, the Dean's Discretionary Fund, Christian education, seminarians, organ restoration, and cathedral arts. We had a financial staffing change this year. We send best wishes to Sue Gervais, who moved moved with her family to Florida, and we welcome Margot Searson as our new financial assistant. Our records are in, in good shape due to the efforts of both of these women. Also, a big thank you to the Finance Committee members who served this past year. Amy Congdon, Jeff Cones, Mike Krasanek, Mac McCormick, Billy Stalmer, Chip Watkins, and Martha Ziegler. Their job as the Finance Committee is to review the monthly financial statements, provide direction on financial policy, and to watch over the work of the Treasurer, well, what a job that is, and the Office Financial Functions. They are watchdogs and good stewards. We are blessed with their faithfulness. I'd also like to acknowledge the good work of their, there's an internal control review committee. We'll be starting with some new members in 2019 to include Martha Ziegler, Judy Handley and Daphne Murdoch, charged with taking a sampling of processes and transactions on a periodic basis to review for um, accuracy and adherence to policy. So you are indeed the story here. I continue to be amazed at how our conversation about financial things is done in the context of our values and our ministries. It's an important part of the shared life we have together. It is a privilege to serve as your treasurer in this place. It's been my my joy and continuing offering to be uh, the very best model of a modern church treasurer that I can be. (laughs) Well, that and fun with numbers.
0: All those folks that Jack mentioned are huge in earning the trust of you with the stewardship of the gifts that you entrust us. They allow us to sleep better. They allow us to know that this work is being done and done well, and we are grateful so much for all of them and all their work. Our next couple of reports come from our Koinonia Steering Committee, and the first of those reports will be offered by Brian Lawler. Brian, please.
2: Good morning. morning. Nearly two years ago, I received a phone call from Sandra Bird asking me to participate in a steering committee. She used words like discernment, discourse, and listening. And at the time, I thought, you know, after almost 20 years, I finally get to put all of those philosophy classes to good use. As my family knows, I love to philosophize, to discern, and most of all, to talk. Instead, what happened over the past 2 years was nothing I could have ever predicted. And this journey we have called quinania has turned out to be pretty awesome. I think it's worth reminding us what quinania means. Quinania is an intimate spiritual communion and sharing with a commitment to growth and transformation through discernment. Now that's a mouthful. But it's actually quite simple. It's just this. It's coming together It's a willingness to listen and to be vulnerable. There's talk of transformation, but engagement in this process doesn't allow us to be passive bystanders. It demands we dive into the deepest ends of our community without knowing whether we'll know how to swim. For 18 months, we looked inward into this congregation and outward into our broader community. We heard from hundreds of you, from leaders in our community, from those who have paved the way for many, and for those who are forging many new paths. We sought out those we knew we might agree with and those that we thought we probably wouldn't. We asked simply for unabashed and brutal honesty, and believe me, we were served up heaps of truth that I don't think any of us were prepared to hear. Our community and all of you spoke resoundingly, and despite recognizing a host of issues facing our community that we all see so clearly, affordable housing, quality education, access to health care. You all said no. Those are mere symptoms of a larger problem of racial and economic equity. And like all the other audacious efforts that this church community has undertaken in its history, you decided that we should take on this centuries-long epidemic head-on. This is generational cultural change, folks, and it's work that with any real effort my daughters might feel the impact of My family joined this church because of all of you and the way that we see you living the good news outside of those doors. But if I can be honest with you, I think this journey we have undertaken is bigger and scarier and requires way more of us than our checkbooks. It demands real cultural transformation. And we have way more to learn before we start writing checks. This is a real opportunity for us to be transformed by our community and to set off a chain of events that one day I hope our children and our children's children will look back and say, can you imagine living in a time where people cared about the color of a person's skin? We have taken steps over the past 18 months, and I want to tell you about some of those things, but let me say this one last thing first. We have heard uh, about some amazing work being done by some even more amazing people in this community, And the truth of it is, there is way more work being done than we could ever meaningfully support. So for me, and I only really speak for myself here, the litmus test for anyone that we hear from and anything we take on in the foreseeable future should be, does what I'm hearing make me uncomfortable? Does it give me pause and make me question everything I knew and believed about myself and the world around me? If not... Then I'm not sure it really gets to the heart of what we've all demanded of each other. Writing a check can feel good, and it is good. But this is permanent, generational change that we're talking about, and in my limited experience, change usually doesn't feel so good at first. And that's okay, because I think that there is real comfort in the discomfort of knowing that we're on a new path and that we all have a role to play. So, what are we doing? Well, some days it feels like we're climbing Everest barefoot, but most days it feels like we're starting to chip away and make some real progress. We have formed several committees and have some tremendous participation, but we need way more help, and we need you to get involved. We are continuing to educate ourselves and to get informed. We are partnering and connecting with organizations focused on affordable housing and homelessness. We've rejuvenated our Children First Committee, We are attending city council and county commissioner meetings to hold our leaders accountable. We are working with community partners to demand employers pay a living wage. We are planning pilgrimages to places like Selma, and we are looking at major life-changing projects that we can really sink our resources into. We've also reserved the fourth Sunday of every month to allow these groups to meet and to welcome new members without adding another meeting to an already full week. We recently hosted an event called Consociate, where we brought together over 85 people from 53 different community groups and to network and brainstorm and to start making some connections. We have a great new website, allsoulscathedral.org slash which will provide you with information and a calendar of community events. Please visit it often. And if you know of any events in the community that might be of interest, please share them and we'll get them on the calendar. And finally, we have a survey that will be up on the website on Tuesday, but we have some paper copies here if you prefer to. you You'll also get one of these green little pieces of paper on the way out that will give you the information on the website or the, or, or the link to the survey. This is the first of many surveys where we will conduct to, to gauge our efforts, your interests, and whether we as a church community are headed in the right direction. I hope that you will continue with us on this journey of discernment and exploration and transformation. If it all seems too big, too audacious, too overwhelming, you aren't alone. It is 100% all of those things. But what did Christ say about the kingdom of God? He likened it to a mustard seed, which once watered and nurtured, becomes a large tree housing all the birds of the sky. Quinonea is our mustard seed, and it's our deep end. And I am excited to dive in headfirst with all of you. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: The second of our Koinonia reports will be offered by Marilyn Rosenberg. Marilyn, please.
3: Come, Holy Spirit, come. I wouldn't mind a voice, I wouldn't mind the eloquence of Millie and Naomi and Glenda and Todd. And Brian and Jack, oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I doing up here? A week and a half ago, Todd left me a voice message. I was headed to California for a family wedding and vacation. With the rigors of packing behind me, I could focus on the fun and fellowship awaiting me. Then I listened to Todd's voicemail. (laughs) He asked me to speak with you today about my experience of Cornelia. Do you recall our Advent reflections? Lots of folks receiving messages they weren't prepared for? Such as Mary, would you mind giving birth to the Savior? (laughs) Or Joseph, would you mind marrying a woman who is pregnant? Or the wise men, how about you ignore Herod, the authority figure, and follow a star? To find the Messiah, and John, don't why would you forget your position of privilege? You need to de- decrease so this other guy can increase. Todd, much resembling the angel Gabriel, <laughs> asked me, more Elizabeth than Mary, to have a talk, and I said yes. <clears throat> so today I stand before you humbly with a weak voice and shakily. I'm relatively new to this parish, and I want to thank all of those of you who have welcomed Bill and me, and I want to thank all of you who, like Brian said, created a place to which we were drawn by your spirit, your courage, and your openness to the challenges of Koinonia. Fun fact. Brian sort of gave it away. Koinonia was the winning word for 14-year-old Karthik Namani at the 2018 Scripps National Spelling Bee Championship. Koinonia is a noun, a feminine noun. It is a word we are using a lot around this place. Koinonia depicts an interactive relationship between God, the divine, and us. But Todd didn't ask me to stand up here and recite from the internet. He asked me to share another word for Koinonia. What is happening to me is I participate with you and the larger community in a new kind of relationship. I'm sort of a rule follower. So when I was in town, I attended the forums. I signed up to be a sanctuary volunteer. I joined a Koinonia committee. I became a member of the Self-Help Credit Union, and I wrestled with those Advent questions, taking on what John the Baptist, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, and Herod might have felt as they experienced new life in their midst. And there were lots and lots of surprises, uncomfortable surprises. Have I been doing toxic charity? Why are black people leaving Asheville? It's so progressive. Our immigration system is really broken. As a sanctuary volunteer, I attended a training session, not just to learn what a real ICE warrant looks like and how to respond, but even more important, what is overt and covert white supremacy? I knew I didn't identify with the Ku Klux Klan or white nationalists, but it was hard to own up to the part I play in perpetuating a system where I, as a white, upper-middle class person, have the lion's share of advantages. As Advent approached, I wrote this in my journal after spending time with Mariposa, the name we called our guest in the sanctuary house. Mariposa waits for her immigration case to be heard. I wait with her for four hours at a time in a house where she seeks sanctuary from a dysfunctional and often cruel system. She waits indefinitely and in fear of ICE. I wait with her because I can. I have the freedom to come and go out of that house. I do not fear law enforcement. Like Mary, mother of Jesus, Mariposa waits as a persecuted minority. Like Mary, mother of Jesus, Mariposa waits in a culture with little compassion or tolerance for the other. These musings bring me back to Koinonia. Koinonia has refocused my attention on the abundance of privilege and opportunity I enjoy in contrast to my brothers and sisters beyond these walls. Koinonia has enlightened me about our history and the parts of our story we don't speak about often enough. Koinonia, that is fellowship with you and our wider community, has brought me to a place of greater openness to the idea of intimacy, another word for koinonia, with people outside of my comfort zone. Koinonia has brought me to a place of threshold. And while the next steps may be wobbly and scary, I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, of love, the wisdom of dreams, and this community to accompany me on this journey towards wholeness, where all souls will experience new life, fellowship, communion, that is koinonia, like never before. Thanks be to God.
0: I would like to ask Leland Derryberry to come forward. Leland is the outgoing chair of the Properties Commission, who is making a special nomination about one of our long, long, long time servers when it comes to properties. So, Leland, if you would please come forward.
4: Oh, that dreaded fear of public speaking. Unlike others in my household, I cannot regale you with puns about shoulders and feet, or a parody of Gilbert and Sullivan. I could, however, put on a stunning gown, hand-me-down from Amy Congdon, fabulous hair, not my own, impeccable makeup and stiletto killer heels, but even as open and affirming as All Souls is, we're really not ready for high drag from the altar. (laughs) Todd asked me to um, speak with you today and he said, make it short and sweet, they've heard enough reports already. (laughs) So please look at the report you'll find in the annual report and make uh, note of the people on that committee in properties who have worked so so very hard for you throughout the year and um, I tip my hat to Tom Vickery who is now taking the helm but one of our members who has served on properties for years and years and years and years uh, announced that he was going to be uh, leaving properties and rather than let him ride off into the sunset Uh, we decided that it was only fitting that we would um, make a special recognition. So when Paul Bresney said that he was leaving, I said, well, we're we're going to we're going to make a notation of all of the service that you've given us over the years. Will you be in attendance? And he wrote back very cryptically and said, I will not be in attendance. (laughs) (laughs) So when you see Paul, be sure to tell him how much we appreciate what he did. So I have to tell you a few things about Paul. I loved working with Paul. Paul and David together kind of made up a team like Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. Paul had the curiosity of a 12-year-old boy, and he exhibited that in every aspect of his dealings here. So if this were a crime scene, Paul's fingerprints would be all over the place. <laughs> Paul was willing to try anything. He knows more about this church and the infrastructure of the goings on of this building from attic to basement to crawl space than anybody else that I've ever known. And he is a man of opinion and he's willing to share it, and he and I have that in common, so maybe that's why we got along so well. For instance, when we were going to illuminate the front porch out here because we have a historic building and the electrician said we needed to make sure that it was done in a way that it wouldn't burn the building down (laughs) Paul said I'll I'll, let me explore that and so he came up with the idea of building escutcheons that the light fixtures would mount onto so he took it upon himself to buy the proper the materials and fashion those And when they were in place, they looked like they have always been here. And that's what's ideal about this wonderful space that we live in. When we were approached by a a member of the church about the concerns of safety entering the church from the front and the steps, Paul said, well, let me look at that. And he fashioned and built the ramp that's out in the front. When we were going to do new HVAC in this space, and then go further wide on the campus, Paul got together with David, and they sleuthed finding what we needed, what we had, what we needed, and what we could do to replace it, and entered into a system of bidding so that we got the best bang for our buck. And this, this space, I used to say, it didn't matter if it was winter or summer, you froze to death. That's not the case now. When the phone system proved to be a bit of a, a challenge, and we didn't know what we had, Paul sleuthed that single-handedly. And in doing so, he found out that we had lines coming into the church that don't even serve the church. So he knows about the building insulation, the ventilation. He's, he showed up whenever any time I met with a contractor or somebody from the city or an engineer, and we had to meet for landscaping or whatever, Paul was always willing to be here. So whenever the, we had a problem with the drainage system in the Garth, Paul and David sleuthed and found out that there was an oil tank. Well, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer got together and in their experiment floated that tank out to the degree that when the guy came to remove the tank, he said, well, my work is done. <laughs> so anyways, because of the, t- the timelessness and the willingness to be here and do any and everything to make this place our home, we have decided that we want to commission a kneeler in Paul's honor. And it has been suggested that the theme be uh, Jesus and Joseph the carpenter. So whenever you see Paul, be sure to tip your hat to him and thank him for his many, many years of service. Thank you.
0: Our final report this morning comes from Kathy Rauch, outgoing senior warden. Kathy, please.
5: Lord be with, you. Also be with you. Like many of you, my holiday included a lot of gatherings, friends, family, friends of family, and at one such gathering, I was reconnecting with a lovely family I had met a number of years back. Their family unit includes two sons, two really great young men, 20 and 16. Now they know I love a good story. So after I complimented the 20-year-old about his recent service projects, which culminated in a formal charity ball, his parents enthusiastically said, tell her about after the ball. So the mom started it off with the mystery of finding a tuxedo sleeve with grass stains on it. Her son Jack took it from there, telling about how he and some friends had a little celebration afterward, enjoying a bit too much of some smuggled-in alcohol. Wisely, they decided to leave their cars at the event venue and walk home. It was about midnight. On their way, they turned a corner and were suddenly startled by one of those ultra-bright lights that are on top of police cars. The car was quite a ways down the street, So in a split-second decision, the boys decided to dash off into a neighboring yard and take a well-known shortcut home. That shortcut included a dive over a garden wall and thus the grass-stained tux. Now, we're all on this Koinonia journey together, so please tell me what I was thinking as I was listening to this story. Right? What was I thinking? Yeah. So before I even knew it, What came out of my mouth was this, Jack, thank God you were not a black man in a hoodie. I think I might have left it at that, except the dad said, oh, come on. And I kind of erupted like a geyser. (laughs) Don't you know that of the 995 people that police shot and killed last year, that 210 of them were black men and 17 of them were unarmed? And then... Blacks are imprisoned at a rate five times whites. And as I was getting hand signals to stop, and I didn't, the median wealth of a white household is 12 times the median wealth of a black household. I went on, but I won't here. I couldn't stop myself. I was like this geyser, and I couldn't cap it. But I didn't want to. Debbie Irving, the author of Waking Up White, would tell you that this was my start at the cure for inattentional blindness, inattentional blindness, also known as selective seeing. I took some comfort in what Reverend Tutu said to us a few weeks later, and I quote, the God we serve is a God who brought discomfort to the comfortable. The wise man Balthazar offered myrrh perhaps, as a reminder of suffering. Maybe we are those who are called to bring myrrh with us into our daily lives, Naomi told us. What I can tell you is this. I definitely brought myrrh to that party, (laughs) and I don't think I'm getting invited back next year. (laughs) Oh, Lord above. After our journey together this past year, particularly, and my journey, specifically, I simply couldn't see this story with the same eyes. In it, I now see the incredible privilege, the white privilege, in the reality that this story can be a high jinks anecdote for one family and a frightening and terrifying tale for a family of color, potentially with a very different outcome. Now, it's important to note, this is a good family. I mean, they were at a charity ball, for heaven's sake. Throughout this past year, as I felt challenged, uncomfortable, and even sometimes injured by conversations about racial equity, that was a mantra for me. Hey, I'm a good person. You know, I'm in the fight. I did not create this humanity-robbing, systemic bond that reaches back 400-plus years. And on my worst days, the voice in my head said, yay for me, I'm trying, look at me. (laughs) Isn't that by definition the very essence of privilege? I get to choose when, how, and where I get to engage on racial equity. It's not in my face every day, because I wake up every day with a white face. Like Dr. Peggy McIntosh, a White Wellesley College professor, I did a little inventory of my invisible white skin privilege. I'm not going to go through the whole list. It's long. But here are a few samplers. Our household bought two vehicles this past year. Besides a bit of the usual wheeling and dealing, which I secretly love, it was easy and effortless, with us being quickly green-lighted right through the process. I explored the option for a revolving credit line to supplement cash flow for my small business. All along the way, yes, Mrs. Rauch is pretty much what I heard. I took my gigantic Volkswagen bug of a purse into all kinds of retail outlets and never felt like I was being followed or suspected or harassed. That list goes on and on and on. It was a powerful, painful exercise. Because of, we've learned through our vestry work this year, seeing and feeling one's privilege is much more different, difficult than seeing and feeling discrimination. So what about the work of the vestry this past year? <laughs> oh my goodness. Vestry members, can I get an amen? It's difficult to summarize. Enlightening, uncomfortable, transformational, I think it's fair to say for all of us. We took care of business, but we took care of our souls. Unlike previous vestries who labored under the weight of huge capital projects like the roof, most of our business focused on ensuring that all souls has the capacity to receive these incredible gifts of our koinonia discernment process. Our work, always in relationship with the priests, and often in partnership with the Koinonia Steering Committee and the Finance Committee, included bold moves, as Jack touched on, in staffing, budgeting, the organization of our ministries. The annual report gives you detail about those milestones and any of us is very happy to answer any questions. On the soul side, we listened and we learned. We asked questions, and we had questions asked of us that always made us think and sometimes made us deeply uncomfortable. We learned that colorblindness is not the admirable trait that we may think it is, but rather a philosophy that denies the way lives play out radically differently along racial lines. And I'll speak for myself in saying I was unbelievably slow to the understanding That to understand racism, I have to understand my own whiteness. My own whiteness. Looking back, I'm stunned. I didn't understand until pretty late this year how darn personal this journey is. We learned how culturally ingrained it is to other people of color, wanting to help and fix things, or them. Which, of course, is a mindset of the dominant and implies that we know best. 2018 was a year filled with those epiphanies. And now, here we are in the season of epiphany. And as Millie so beautifully described this current season, and I quote, it is a season of awakenings, awakening to who Jesus is and thus who we are. We begin with belief, but then we acknowledge the action that's required from us. Thanks for that. I feel overwhelming gratitude to be among all of you, to have been a part of an acknowledging vestry and a church family who is awakened, seeking transformation, and once again using Millie's words, trusting that in following our baptismal covenants and by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we have been given another road home, another way to live. We have a road to hope actualized. I'll leave you with this quote from Lilla Watson an artist, educator, an activist, who is an indigenous Australian. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Thank you and thanks be to God.
0: Kathy, thank you, and all of you, for being a community that is understanding that the way of the cross is the way of life. And every Sunday when we stand up and break that bread, we're not just mimicking something. We are saying only those things that are broken truly give life. Thank you for that, and for all of you. There's another reason we have wardens. Um, You may have noticed Kathy leaning and saying something to me before she spoke. She said, you know, we never actually took a vote on those vestry pokes. Why, we have people like that. I just said, give them thanks. and never said, um, all in favor of these vestry persons, please say I. Aye. aye. Amen. Thank you. Jesus is pragmatic as Jesus is philosophical. And again, I simply want to say thank you for the way you choose to live. We'll say a few more thoughts about that in the sermon in a few moments. And I realize I shouldn't even give a sermon because you've heard several impressive sermons. But I'm a preacher and I ain't letting you do that. So uh, it won't be long. But would you please stand for the gospel?